it's the choice of letting that like energy build up in this really negative nasty way or using it to fuel the next thing hello and welcome back to another episode of the mental sweet spot podcast where we share stories tips and strategies for coaching the mental game of softball I'm Melanie Rushing, and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith and a special guest who will share her story about choosing resilience time and time again. Today's guest is a passionate young woman on a mission to impact lives with her story of resilience. Her honest and relatable delivery of her experiences reminds her audience that there is humor in the challenges we face. By being courageously vulnerable and sharing her biggest heartaches and highest achievements, she helps others to realize that their story makes them fighters, storytellers, and real. Today we hear about her resilience through double-digit surgeries as a child, while getting recruited late and stepping up to tougher competition, after having a stroke, battling back to the field through countless no's, getting back in the swing of things after some time off, and ending her career at the Women's College World Series. Stick with us to the end so you too can learn how to be more resilient, but for now, please welcome Georgia grad, Women's College World Series participant and motivational speaker, Kendall Burton. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So we want to start it off with how I'm sure you start off all episodes and presentations, but we want to hear a little bit more about your story. Yeah, sure. So when I was born, I was actually born with a severe unilateral cleft open palate, which is like, essentially I was born with a hole in my face. And by the time I was 17, I had 23 surgeries for that birth defect alone. I was just, I had gone through so many surgeries as a kid and it really like hindered my recruiting process because I was always having this huge, big surgeries, like during like my sophomore year of high school and then my junior year of high school. And so that was really taxing on my body and like emotionally as well. I had my last surgery in November of 2013. And it was kind of like I did four and one on purpose because I just like really wanted to put like the portion of my life of being a patient, like a cholesterol and palate patient on the shelf just was kind of ready to move forward in my next phase of life, which was heading to the University of Texas at San Antonio to play softball for that school. And that my first semester there, the fall of 2014, about two months in, on October of October 29th, I survived an acute ischemic stroke. And essentially, I just had a lack of oxygen to a certain portion of my brain for a certain period of time. It left me in the hospital for five days, six days. I was unable to speak, unable to read, write, all of my like cognitive skills, comprehension, were really hindered. And from there, I just completely put my foot on the gas and said, I didn't go through all this other stuff as a kid to not be able to play now, even though this other huge traumatic situation that had nothing to do with even my cleft at all happened to me. So I just was really persistent. And I got back on the field about four months later and I started every single season um, for the Roadrunners in the spring of 2015. And it was awesome. Got some crazy good accolades for Conference USA. I then played my sophomore year at UTSA as well. And then something just didn't feel right. I felt like I was fighting really hard to be in the classroom. And I was just kind of like on a team where 
it wasn't as important to them to win for some reason. It wasn't like I wasn't best friends with those people. There was just like something missing. So I decided to transfer and it led me to Oklahoma State University in the fall of 2016. So I moved all my stuff up there, uprooted my entire life. You know, I had a great thing going at UTSA just to get there and have the university doctor along with a few other like a neurologist cardiologist tell me that I would never play college athletics again I was going to have another stroke all of these things I'm just like they wouldn't clear me to play like I got there for no good reason after I was already staring and watching all the practices all of the weights and lifts at 5 a.m so after they told me that I was like well, I know that I'm healthy. I already have a neurologist who's cleared me to play. I'm okay with that. So I'm going to find someone to say yes. And then I had like eight other universities tell me like, no way after looking at my medical history. But then Georgia, University of Georgia and University of Oregon came around and they had a yes for me. They said I was totally cleared to play. All good. And I chose University of Georgia. I was a bulldog and I played my junior year there and then my senior season and I was a starter my senior year and I am able to say that I took my cleats off for the very last time at the like women's college world series so like long story long basically (laughs) (laughs) covered a lot of years in a brief amount of time that's impressive but yeah what an awesome way to go out of your career. How amazing was that? Yeah. No, that was, I mean, I think about it and I'm just like, oh, that was like my life. That's not a movie. You know, like I did that. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And the most amazing part to me through all of this is there were many reasons for you to feel hopeless, uh, powerless, extremely frustrated, all of the above. And yet time after time from the cleft palate when you're a kid to the stroke to being told you can't play anymore, you kept fighting back. So we talk about resilience a lot. I don't think a lot of people know exactly what that looks like. So take us through what it was like to feel let down and frustrated to turning it around, making it work somehow. You know, like the thing is, I felt all of those feelings. Like, like you said, like I was frustrated. I was sad. I was irritated. I, you know, I was like, I felt all of the things. And I think that like, it kind of came to a point where I had to understand that so many things weren't in my control. And the thing is like, I'm a big believer in the fact of like putting good into something and then understanding that you might not actually get what like if you have a goal and you're putting all of your energy into that one goal there is a potential that that will not happen for you but putting all of that energy and all of that hard work and just everything that you have into that one thing that you really want will give you so many more opportunities if even if that one one goal didn't actually happen if that makes sense so I always took it as like, this is what I envision my life to be. This is what I want. And I'm going to just keep 
waking up and fighting back the universe because apparently it was angry at me or something like and I it was a choice I just I just kept choosing to try and make my vision come and come true and it worked out for me there were certain things that didn't come out that I exactly wanted them to but then there are other things that because I did all of the work for that one goal. Does that make sense? I feel like that was a lot of words, but. Oh, that makes total sense. I love that. I think a lot of times we get so fixated on our goals that we tend to miss the other good things that you're talking about. The different paths that can take us to something just as, or sometimes even more awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's essentially I and then to go back what you said, like people don't really know exactly what resilience looks like. Um, I did want to kind of like say that to me, resilience is not just like this bland definition that's in the dictionary. Like resilience is like waking up and choosing to keep going. Resilience is even when you're like laying in bed, like bawling your eyes out because you're just so frustrated, you have no idea what you're gonna do. But waking up the next day and stilling, deciding to try again, like that, that's what resilience is. Like it doesn't just like happen with like the cool ending. It's like resilience is like the day-to-day grind to be resilient. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you, you said it's a choice, right? It's a choice that you have every single day when you wake up and I think that one, that's really important. And it's one of the things that I share with my kids all the time about the choices that we have in our lives that we sometimes feel we don't have choices, but we really do have a lot of choices. So with that in mind, how did that translate to say on the field, right? Because we, the reason, when you talk about resiliency, you hear a lot about that term in sports, right? So when you were faced with a situation on the field, for example, or a bad day or a bad game, how did you, how did you approach that with everything that you've learned? You know, I, it's actually kind of funny because I was a weird perfectionist in practice. Like nothing I could do would be good enough. And I actually had to learn. And it, it came from doing all of these crazy, like having a stroke and coming back from it. I just expected myself to be this like human shield of like greatness, but it's not, that's not how life is. Like just because you've done this one incredible thing you're still going to get knocked down like 10, nine times out of 10. And I feel like it was constantly taking every like bad hit, poor play, error, um, you know, line drive right at the pitcher, can't do anything about it. Like taking it with a grain of salt and having to make like the initial frustration or irritation or just like, you know, wanting to throw my bat across the field, right? But then like (laughs) having to take like, taking that energy and having to like use it for something else, like going into the field or it's like, I always like told myself like, okay, well, if this didn't work out, then you like, then you want to make this next thing like picture perfect. Like I was like, kind of like the game of softball to me, there's so many lessons like all the time. Right. So it's like, you can, do everything perfect and everything right and you can still go over four because you hit the ball like right at the warning track or you hit three line drives right back at like the first baseman second baseman whatever and it's just like 
it's the choice of letting that like energy build up in this really negative, nasty way or using it to fuel the next thing, like the next inning, the next pitch, the next play. So I think that's kind of how I like translated certain things in outside of softball, like into the game. Yes, for sure. That's huge. You used that lesson and you, you had practiced it basically in your real life. So to take it onto the field where it kind of seems like it's different, it really isn't. It's just about making that choice and moving forward. What would you say to those people who <laughs> take the error, let's say, and then they try to make up for it? Like the ones who like push too hard and then it becomes that snowball effect. How would you help that person? Honestly, it's like that person has to, you, you have to like, it's in different baskets. Is that like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's like different yeah. groups. Mm-hmm. And the game, the game has like so many different, like, ba- I don't know why basket is in my head right now, but like the game has so many different baskets, you know? Cause it's like, if you think about it, there's so many different things and qualities and characteristics that go into the game, like throwing, pitching, hitting, fielding. Like, I mean, there's even like fielding and throwing two different baskets, right? So it's like keeping each thing columnized in in the certain area that it is like like don't let it like be this one giant overflowing basket I don't like I said don't know why I'm using this as the analogy but I am I totally get it I'm picturing the softballs and the baskets (laughs) and yeah bucket it's a bucket okay perfect there's like so many different buckets like you have your hitting buckets and you have the pitching but I mean it's like different right so it's like you would never put all of those balls into one big basket because then your coach is mad your pitchers are mad your hitters are mad you feel like everyone's mad like so then why would you do that to yourself if that like I feel like that's what I would tell them I love that that that's such a great way to put it it's like compartmentalizing in psychology (laughs) like set that part of your life yeah for sure for a second so it can simmer and then move on (laughs) yeah Kendall, can you talk a little bit about that transition that you made uh, to Georgia? And, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about culture and how important that is. So could you talk a little bit about the culture that you found at Georgia and why it was so special to you? Absolutely. Um, Well, when I first got to Georgia, I, I mean, I came in the middle of the year. I got there in January of 2017 and I had just moved to from another state like five months prior and I got there and I was just like, like a bat out of hell. I was just like, I hadn't played softball in so long, like actually been able to do it like with the team. I was just going a billion miles a minute. I couldn't slow down. I couldn't breathe at all. And that first, my, my first season at Georgia was, I was learning and I was being challenged so much, but I feel like I could never take a breath. I could never like slow down and completely like understand like where I was how special this was like how incredible it was and excuse me going into my senior year I was like I finally had time to breathe and then I was I was in immersed in the team they were my family they're my friends like I finally got my groove like I kind of got myself back to because it was like just a really taxing year emotionally 
And the thing is, we all just bought in to never giving up. Like we were, all of our personalities were so different. Like I wish you could have just sat in the locker room and like, it was so, everybody was so different. But the way that we chose to link arms with the people that we didn't understand that well, the girls that we didn't really get their humor, but we still laughed at their jokes because we knew it was funny. Like we, like you just start to understand people and the culture of just like diving in every single day, understanding who they are off the field, understanding we're probably like, I'm probably never going to get dinner with you, but I actually really love you. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, we, everyone, every coach says that like, it's important and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, when you actually do it, Mm-hmm. And you do the work personally, you do it in weights, you do it on the field, you do it, you have team events where you all go, like, we just bought into all of, like, the cliche stuff. And the thing is, we wanted to be really good. Like, Georgia softball, like, the team for the 2018 season, we wanted to be really good. And we were also 13th, like, the year before, like, we were dead last in the SEC. And we were just, like, never happening again. We are as good as we think we are. And we just totally like always acted like our backs were against the wall and there was nowhere to go, but like just driving linked arms with your teammates, like in the trenches. That's just like how we, even if we were run rolling someone, we just like constantly kept that like energy together. So I don't even know. I feel like I, every time I talk about Georgia softball, like I go on like these rants, but I just, it was so special. It's like almost hard to explain. No, it's good. It's uh, a passionate rant. <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool hearing you talk about this. We always like to bring in the culture because it tells so much about the softball story of each team you're on of every year that you play. And it's interesting that you said the prior year, you felt like it moved really fast. So going back to our previous talk about all the baskets, it sounds like everyone was trying to throw everything in all the baskets, like pick 13th. You're probably pissed about that or finish 13th. So things weren't going as well as you wanted. And then you get through the season. Everything's a grind anyway at that level. So then to have everything pile on top of it, I am sure there was no catching up by the end of season. (laughs) But then you switch to the next season and I wrote down uh, resilience as a choice. And it sounds like that's the year where everybody took that on. Yeah, it's, it's super true. It was, um, it was incredible to like be a part of that team because it felt like I was on a team that resembled like certain things that I'd gone through in my life. And that's something that they probably were like, you know, the girls on the team, like, what are you talking about? But like, it was like my life, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it, and so it was like really special for me, even if they don't understand what they, that meant. But the whole team was crazy. Like the, the culture was just like unreal, like unmatched. But again, it, you said it, it goes back to choices, right? Because you even use those words, right? And it sounds like everyone in that locker room made a conscious choice, right? To to go into the same direction and have the same goals and lock arms, like you said, and, and be together as a team. And I think that that's one of the most important things that you can do as an individual person, as a part of a team. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I kind of like went on my own uh, thought process after what she just said, but 
Yeah, absolutely. It was a choice made from every single teammate to move forward and build something special that like couldn't be broken within each one of us. So yes, absolutely. I love that. And I love that it kind of mirrored your journey personally too, and kind of had a nice little bow on it for you. <laughs> so yeah, that's I a know. good thing. <laughs> so tell us more about what you're doing now. We know that you speak and tell us a little bit more about your site and what you do to share your message. Yeah, sure. So I just graduated in May and I didn't really know that being a motivational speaker was a dream of mine until someone contacted me after my ESPN article came out and they're like, Hey, would you want to speak like at this gala? And I was like, I don't know. I think so. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> and, and so I said, yes. And I like spoke in front of 400 people and I, sh- I just shared my story and I just tried to make it relatable to these people. And the feedback was unreal. It was great. And so now that's what I'm, I'm, that's what I'm doing. I, created a site and I am considered the toughest out a writer of the ESPN article he actually was the first one to call me that and it just stuck and so built a website just about my services about my story so that you know people will hire me and whatnot to speak for them and I'm just pretty much full force like networking speaking to younger kids older kids even like young adults so that's just what I'm doing. It's awesome. And I love it. And I can't wait to just keep building. I'm curious to know if you've met anyone along the way that has been an inspiration to you, because I'm, I can only imagine the amount of people you've been an inspiration to as, you know, as others, but as a speaker, have you run into anyone that's inspired you? Yes, of course I have. I would say the most inspiring was the, this gala that I spoke at the first one. It was for um, essentially like a cancer organization for younger kids and then their families. And there is this one boy, I want to say he's 11, 12, and he's been battling cancer for a few years now. And he was in remission. And then a few days before the gala, he um, got some terrible news that the cancer was back and he was Um, waiting for his results as to um, how severe and if it had spread into certain other areas than the original site. And I remember, I like didn't speak with him long, but I just remember thinking like what a light this kid was. And he just, cause he like wanted to go to the gala and he was like ill and he was sick and he was like excited to hear me speak. And I was like, I was so nervous because I was like talking to kids and the parents of these kids who were battling cancer. And like, I've never dealt with something like that by any means, but I think it was just kind of like, he inspired me to keep sharing my story because he felt like I, I had something to say. And it was just like, if this, like this kid who was just fighting for his life and loving every second of and being present everywhere he is like that's like I want to just keep sharing my story I want to just keep trying to get the word out like I want to be more like Tyler basically is how I felt so yes absolutely inspiring people 
<laughs> that I've met. Wow. That's, yeah, that's a good story. I like that one. Yeah. So if you could kind of make a new big goal for yourself, you checked off the star college athlete. Now you're getting <laughs> into motivational speaking and starting on that journey. What is your goal now? What's the impact you want to make or what do you want to accomplish? I, I mean, obviously I want to be, um, I want to be a successful motivational speaker, but I think that the biggest thing that I want to accomplish, even if I don't ever get the, this big speaker name, whatever, is that like, I don't want people feeling as if they have to be these picture perfect type of humans when they go through things. Cause I feel like our world and some, um, motivational people in our like media they kind of make it look like it's easy and they just say and do these things and it's like I just want people to realize that your story is just as relatable as the person next to you and perspective is a beautiful thing but it doesn't like diminish anything that you've gone through like it's not your fault that like your struggles are uh, I mean somewhat lesser than the person next to you you know I mean, it's like, but this is your, your path and what you've accomplished is incredible. And what you've gone through, that's really hard and you made it out and like on the other side, that's something to pat yourself on the back for, but also like to keep reaching for the next thing that you want, not what you think you should be doing because this person and this person and this person, like they should feel all of the things and it should be really hard, but that they have more left in their gas tank because of who they are and what it looks like for them, not what they think it's supposed to look like, if that makes sense. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Especially we compare ourselves a lot to others, but just turning back inward to, yeah, it's my gas tank that I know I have more in. I love that. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like I didn't, it was a personal, like I wanted something and that's how I, that's why I did everything I did. I just wanted to play softball. That was it. That was like the big thing. And it's like, I feel like now people make you feel as if you have to, if you want this, well, you should be wanting this, this, and this too. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, what do you want? You know what I mean? If you want to be the most ambitious person in the room, then sure, by all means, go for it. Mm -hmm. But if you want, like, if your goals are to like only a big goal for you, but someone else thinks that you should be like aspiring for more, like just take it for what you need in your life and what you want. If you want more things then you, by all means, you can go get more things, but don't feel like you have to, you know what I mean? Like everyone's story is very different. What they want in their life is very different. And so I, I guess I just want people to feel as if like you can write your own version of whatever you want whenever you want to you can get bigger you can get smaller it doesn't have to look like this movie type thing that's not like real mm-hmm. oh that's awesome well Kendall that was perfect I'm gonna leave it there because I think that's the perfect message to leave with everyone all the coaches listening all the athletes listening just any person write your own story and that is a wrap on today's episode. You can follow Kendall on Facebook at Kendall Burton, K-E-N-D-A-L-L-B-U-R-T-O-N. You can also follow her on Instagram at Kenny Grace, K-E-N-I-G-R-A-C-E. 
If you'd like to learn more about her speaking engagements in clinics and hire her to speak to your team or girls, head to kendallburton.com. As Kendall said multiple times, resilience is a choice. There will always be something in sport or life trying to knock you down, but you don't have to stay down. To begin learning the mindset tools to help you bounce back faster, take the tough team challenge. If you want to build or be a part of a team that's confident, resilient, and tough, the Tough Team Challenge is for you. This simple five-step challenge is designed to help you discover your strengths, blast through mindset blocks, and step into the powerful leader you were meant to be. To start today, head to toughteamchallenge.com. When you sign up, you'll get each challenge sent directly to your inbox, and you can put the steps into action in our private community on Facebook. Thank you again for joining us. Hope to see you next time. Have a good one.